Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the first jewel claim. Oh, it's a photo of the Derby! The race for the Triple Crown erupts into an epic party. The Preakness Stakes, May 18th on NBC and Peacock. It was my first podcast. I never said a cuss word the whole podcast. So I'm really disappointed in my big anniversary performance, man. I really let myself down. I went back to the drawing table, self-scouted thyself, and going to have lots of four-letter words today for this pod. <laughs> yeah, baby, we're back. Chris Sims Unbuttoned. And that was me referring to episode 150 on the Chris Sims Unbuttoned podcast. Yeah. where I didn't say one swear word, and I blame that on Ahmed Farid. He's a, he's a, he's like a, a choir boy, this guy. He's like too good. He's too nice. He doesn't swear. Yeah. He doesn't watch bad movies, none of that, and you're rubbing off on me. So I blame you. How you doing, dude? So two things I learned there, Chris, it was that uh, you can go a whole podcast without swearing. That I, I didn't know previously. And two, that you have a, a drawing table. Are you, so you had to go back to the, the drawing you table. You noticed that? <laughs> I noticed that too. I was like, that sounded stupid, drawing board. You don't go back to the drawing table. Or you just go hey. back to the table and then figure it out. But you don't go to the drawing table. Yeah, but uh, our producer, Pete uh, Demolomilomilitis, said that we, we always thought it would be you corrupting me. And I remember the talk a year ago when you said, you're going to have the podcast we're going to swear for the first time. I would have never thought that we'd have the podcast where you wouldn't swear for the first time before I let one slip. And so that was an upset. Yeah, total, total upset. Can't believe it. And uh, hey, what you got? You're looking good today. You trimmed the beard. Is that what you got I did going trim on? The I... beard. But you know what I'm doing? I'm, I, the hair's growing. I haven't touched the hair at all. I'm just letting right. it grow up and out. And I feel like I'm kind of I'm growing into a new look here almost. You're pulling it off, man. You're looking good. And I mean, what do you got? Like a Kansas City Monarchs t-shirt on underneath your red How in the today? world did you know that? How did you know that? Yeah. Uh, damn. How did you do that? I'm, I saw the M. At one point, you turned and moved, and I saw the M-O-N. And I was like, that's either Montreal. And then I saw the A to make me think, okay, it's not Montreal. It's Monarch or Mana something. And I just put it together. Wow. I'm really smart, man. I'm really Honestly, smart. You- You've done a lot of things like calling Lamar Jackson is going to be the best quarterback in that class, but this was the most amazing thing you've done so far is be able to identify <laughs> okay. that as a Kansas City Monarchs uh, t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, wow. So this is a crazy podcast already. I feel like we've already over-delivered, but uh, we do have a good one. We got your dad coming on to talk about NFL game changers, the biggest game changers of all time, and then the biggest game changers right now. That's going to be an interesting discussion. We'll talk a little bit about about Cam Newton. We got some Ask Me Anything questions that we've picked from uh, from some submissions from back uh, a couple weeks ago and some current ones as well. But Chris, we have to start with Let's what get I to think work. I do best. The best thing that I bring to this podcast is, is the unofficial uniform police. And so that's what we have to do. We've been called into action once again 
because there's a new uniform out there, and it came from L.A. The Chargers were the first to, to bring us a new one. We love that one. Rave reviews, Chris. And now the Rams have come out with theirs. We saw a sneak peek of the new helmet, the logo, the updated Ram horn, and now we get the blue and yellows, and then we get the, the white unis. And I'll be honest with you, Chris, the, the reaction from everyone out there has been lukewarm. I know. I would tend to agree with them on this one a little bit. I feel like it's a little underwhelming. What are your thoughts? Well, I, you know, so I, I do respect your opinion. I've liked everything you've said about uniforms really up until this point throughout our podcast. Other than the Colts, your Colts take, uh, uh -huh. I think you've been pretty spot on. Now, I don't know what it is. I, I really love these uniforms. Like, I Ooh. think they look really cool. I like that it's, you know, again, I know that people are disappointed that the horn is broken up. All right, I get it. Whoa, okay. You know, whoa, there's a little small slither of blue in there. I don't know, it gives it some edge. I like the helmet looking like it's matte blue with that yellow that pops like that. And then, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for all of the same uniform color. So I like that all blue look. And I really like the all, all what is it, bone white look? Bone I think white, that's yes. kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of unique. So I, I guess I'm in the minority because you're right. Anything I look at so far to this point, has been just crapping all over this uniform. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking it a lot. Well, I'll give you the, the, the blue and the yellow, that, that pop. Those are like super rich colors. I'm into that. I'm into like the super rich color rush colors. And so I like the blue. I like the yellow. I like the all blue. I, I'm with you there. Um, the bone white, though, one. You say you're in the minority. You might be the only one that likes that. So I guess what it's supposed <laughs> to be is it's supposed to be um, you know, a, a tip of the cap to the, the ram horn, the color of an actual ram horn. Also, some of those sandy beaches in L.A., and so there, there is some meaning to it, but it almost looks like a practice uni to me, Chris. The bone white what? looks like a practice jersey. Well, it's got – yeah, I mean, it's a different look. I don't think it's a – I don't look at it as a practice jersey. I guess I know what you mean by that a little bit, uh, yeah. but I, I don't know. There's something unique about it. It's like half gray, half white. I don't know exactly what it is, and, I, I you know, I like the simplicity – Plus, I don't view the Rams as a team, as a, one of those traditional uniforms where I'm like, oh, it's so great. They should never change it. You know, I just, you know, again, it's not a team with, it's got better history than I think it gets credit for, you know, obviously, but it's had to move to a few different cities and that's caused some issues and they've changed their uniforms a number of times. I think this is kind of fitting for 2020 in L.A., and I, I would think with those color schemes, it's going to be very popular with like the 30 and under crowd. I mean, again, you yeah. look at popular sneakers or things like that right now, everybody's looking for those, you know, colors that pop uh, and do that. And I think that that fluorescent soul yellow, whatever they got there and that blue are going to do that. I don't know what it is. I just like it. I really do. Yeah, it does pop. I, I'll give you that. The, the blue and the yellow, they do pop. Uh, there's an interesting choice with the numbers. Uh, the, if you notice the numbers that they have, yeah. it's a gradient. It's not one solid color. It kind of goes light yellow and then into a darker yellow. Um, I think it, the same is, might be happening with the blue ones there. Um, but it kind of is a, is a theme with some of these other uniforms. And Pete Demolemolitis was able to come up with a, with a couple of the other new ones that are out there. You kind of see a similar thing with the yeah. Falcons' new updated uniforms. And right. you also see a similar thing, you know, with the Jaguars, with the two-tone helmets that they, they have done. 
Um, so I don't know if it's like this gradient is taking over in the NFL. I'm, I'm not totally about it with the number look right there, but it seems like some teams are experimenting with it. They, they are. They're letting Nike kind of do their thing there. And I get it. it. To me, it looks like the teams that kind of value their uniform as new age and not like the old traditional look. You know, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. What I want to know from you, okay? I mean, yeah. obviously the Rams aren't going to make your top five uniforms today. You've already established yeah. that. All right. Correct. I'm not going to lie. They were in the running for my top five uniforms. I'm not going to lie. Wow. They might be in there. Yeah. Pete Dimmelit, a little lightest, lightest will tell you. I, um, they were on my original short list. So we'll see. But out of all the new uniforms that were released, okay? I know you like the Chargers. I like the Chargers yep. one as well. But where yep. would you rank the Rams out of the new release uniforms? Where, where do you think? Where would you go there? So here are all of them. And Chad Barrett submitted this to the unofficial uniform police. Which team has the best and worst rebrand this offseason? So we got the Rams. We got the Falcons. We got the Chargers, who you're right, I do like, with the, their powder blue and the numbers on the helmets. The Bucks updated their numbers to make them uh, look a little bit better. Patriots went with their color rush. Browns went more retro. Uh, the Colts, a very slight change for the Colts. The numbers were a right. little bit more kind of like a, that shoehorn, like the horseshoe um, look to them, a little more angular. I think the, the best of the, the rebrands was the Chargers. I think the Browns just going back to retro was, was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then everyone else What's was the a, worst was one? A, the worst one, I think, is the Rams and Patriots because the Patriots didn't do much. They just went with their color rush uniforms. Um, updated the the piping on the shoulders just a, a touch. So I would say yeah. it's a tie between the Rams and the Patriots, who I'm not all that impressed by their updated uniforms. I I just, I want to go, well, what did you want from them? I don't know. I don't know. But you're not a fashion designer, okay? And I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I, I think the two LA teams are my favorite ones. I, I do. I, I think that I like both of them a whole lot. I'm with you with the Browns. I think that's probably in my running as number three. And I think the Falcons will be my least favorite of all the ones that I've seen released to this point. Uh, I, I think that's the one that I'm least impressed by. Not that I, like, hate it. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, it's one of the five worst uniforms in football. Uh, but I think out of the ones that were released this year, yeah, I would be more in the Falcons. The two-tone jersey and that look, and yeah. they got some of the two-tone number look like you just talked about. To where, it's, it's again, I don't hate it. I just think out of the new ones, it's my least favorite I've seen so 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 far. So the other day, I, I went, uh, we, we had this little fire pit, and we had s'mores, and one of the marshmallows I kept in there too long, and the end of it started to burn. And it, it was reminiscent of what we just saw there with the Falcons. The bottom of the mar the bottom of the jersey burned all the way up to the uh, to the top there. I like right, it so burned. I like them burned. I want so it like charcoal black <laughs> and just mush in the middle. That's my yeah. pick. Maybe that's where I'm all fucked up. Okay, maybe that's yeah. where we see it right there. We just have totally different takes, which leads us to, and this is the last of the. You know, we've we've rated the the top. Uh, helmets in the NFL. We've rated the bottom five helmets in the NFL. We've done the bottom five jerseys in the NFL. This sets the stage for the final one, Chris. The 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 cherry on top. The top five oh, uniforms baby. overall in the NFL. So let's let's recap and look at the the bottom five that we had. And we did this about a, a month and a half ago, and it was before some of the uh, the jersey updates. 
So we both had the Buccaneers in our bottom five, Chris. They were clearly affected by that. And I think we both noted that the numbers were just funky looking. And they did change the numbers to probably move them out of our, our five ugliest uniforms. But here were the worst ones that we said about a couple months ago. Yep, I got you. I, I still now, don't agree with your Buffalo Bills at number five for the five worst uniforms. Other than that, I can get on board with just about anything else you're saying there. I got a lot of heat for that Buffalo Bills one. I have, I, <laughs> there was a lot of pushback from Bills fans about me putting. And look, you, you're wearing Bills colors right now, and you're got, you're going to make <laughs> I like fun of red. Them. What a jerk! <laughs> I know. I like red. All right, so let's do it. Let's do it real quick here. All right, you ready, Chris? Yeah, let's do it. Five best uniforms, and we'll start with number five, and we'll go all the way to number one. And I asked producer Pete, I was like, how, I was like, Chris and I almost never agree. You've already seen it here in this podcast. I was like, how similar are our top five? And he goes, not similar at all. (laughs) So so here (laughs) we go again. (laughs) I'll go with my number, I'll go with my number five first, and you can reveal your number five. My number five top jersey right now in the NFL is the Broncos. I'm going with Broncos right now. Specifically, my favorite of all the combinations is the blue jersey, white pants with the orange piping on the side, a little stripe on the uh, the pants as well. I think it pops. I think it all works together. Broncos number five. Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't hate you there. I, I, I wore that uniform. It made me look good. I got a jersey <laughs> upstairs of that. So uh, it is. It's a cool uniform. I even like when they wear their orange jersey, too. I mean, that's cool as well. So I can get behind that. And, hey, they were one of those teams we've been talking about. They rebranded, and all of a sudden, they became a winning football team. Ah, Cincinnati Bengals. Ah, Cincinnati Bengals. Come on. I know. Uh, of all teams not them. to rebrand, they're, they're one of them that hasn't. You've been calling for it all offseason. I know. I know. They don't care. And I, I got word from them. They're, they're not changing. They don't care what I say. So yeah, (laughs) nothing's happening there. My number five will be the Washington Redskins. All right. Okay. I I am. uh, I've always been a big fan of the Washington Redskins. Now this look right here, this picture with the gold pants is my least favorite. If anybody's watching on YouTube, Uh, because again, I love the burgundy yellow combination. It's very rare in sports. My favorite, though, is when they wear in the old school days or this picture right here, if you're watching on YouTube, is the big thing, the white jersey with the burgundy pants, or I like when they wear the white pants with the burgundy jersey. That's where I grew up watching them in the Redskins in the 80s and their prime when they won three Super Bowls or were in three Super Bowls uh, in the 80s, won two of them and then won one in the early 90s. That's what I just grew up using. So I just think, I don't know, the the helmet itself is interesting to me, the color combination, the tradition of it all. And I I might be wrong, but I think they're going back to the the method I like this year. I can't remember. We talk about so much football crap, but I think they're getting away from those yellow pants and just going to wear the white and burgundy as the two looks that I like this year. At least that's what I thought I read earlier this offseason. I could be wrong. They were close to my top five, I, I got to admit, because when you look, okay. when you look at it, it's, it's unique, right? And you just know it. You're like, okay, that's, that's a Washington game that I'm watching right now. And so it's like it just – and I had, their, I had their helmets in my top five, which was very controversial when we did that uh, the first time. So I, I can agree with the Redskins having that, that look. Number four for me was my number one helmet. I think I just like the color purple. 
The Minnesota Vikings, and specifically the purple jersey with the white pants. Uh, that Oh, my gosh, that Met helmet is so good. The Vikings are number four for me, Chris. Yeah. I, I, hey, listen, it's a plain, simple look. It stays with the tradition. They were on kind of my longer list here originally. I, wrote, I just wrote down the uniforms I like to start off the exercise. So I get that. And I like the Matt Helmet, too. I'm a big fan. Our man, Mike Florio, does not like that, being the resident Viking fan for NBC. He's not happy with that. He wants to go old back school. to the other helmets. But, yeah, he's old yeah. school. He's old. What does he know? My number four <laughs> will be old school, a little bit like you, and I'm staying in that division, the Chicago Bears. Yes, Chicago Bears, they made one of my top five helmets. But I love the Bears' look. Again, the stripes on the socks meeting the stripes on the shoulders. You know, that's been a staple for that uniform for a long time. I do love the helmet. I love the jersey, too. I do. And I think the thing I like about the Bears is, you know, they have some variations, but simple variations. I love when they wear their all white. I think it's one of the best uniforms in football when they wear their all white with that blue helmet or when they wear their all blue. I'm big into that uniform look. Uh, so, I'm a fan of the Bears uniforms and a lot of their different looks, but specifically those two are some of my favorite. I, I, I do think it's a good look. I couldn't put them in there. I, growing up in Michigan, you just – I can't. I, they're the rivals, you know. So I, I, I never have a bear on my fantasy football team, and this Jordan documentary stuff is happening right now, and everyone's bagging on the Pistons for not shaking hands. When they went off the court, it's making me mad, and so – they're good. I just couldn't put them in the in the top five. Okay, so I, I, I get it. Yeah, you got to stay true to your city. That's good. You know, Have screw to. the Bears then. Through your eyes. Screw the Bears. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, we're into the top three here. Okay, so top three. And this one, I, I didn't know. Before I looked through all the jerseys, I was like, I kind of had an idea. I was like, all right, Vikings will be in there because I like purple. Um, you know, Broncos, I didn't really know. But this one, I had no idea. But then I was, the more I looked at it, I was like, that's iconic. And, and it was the Miami Dolphins specifically with their aqua jersey, their white pants. I mean, that's just a, that's just a unique look, and it's a, it's a team with a lot of tradition back in the day with Don Shula. Uh, so I put the Miami Dolphins as number three for me. Wow. Dolphins going number three. Okay. I yeah. mean, I, you yeah. know, again, it's an okay. They're a middle of the road to me. I don't know. I mean, man, no, top like three, it. huh? Well, but who three? else has a jersey like that? I mean, maybe you just don't like the like the aqua. But I don't know. I think I probably thought, I, thought I think that's probably off. part of the problem. It just doesn't scream toughness to me at times, even though like that's absurd of me to say because they were like extremely okay. tough in the seventies wearing those colors. Uh, yeah. So I I got nothing to say there. I mean, they obviously can play tough football. I guess it's just our lifetime we haven't seen them play so much tough football to where. Like, when I think of the Dolphins good, I just think of, like, Dan Marino and passing yards, but no running game and no defense. Uh, so yeah. maybe that kind of, like, infiltrates my brain, and they're thinking of that uniform a little bit as well. So, okay. It's like in our lifetime. Yeah, in our lifetime, they've been good, not great, and sometimes bad. You're, you're, <laughs> you're right. So you associate Definitely, sometimes bad. I like some of their, their new variations of what they're doing, too. They're kind of going old school as well, which I do like that. My number three... Yeah. Yep. I'm going new school here. I'm going new school. This is my only new school uniform on my list. The okay. Seattle Seahawks. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know why. I just, first off, 
hey, they they were a team that rebranded. Guess what happened? Oh, they've only been relevant for the last 10 years ever since they rebranded. I love their all blue look. I love their all gray look. I love their all fluorescent green look that they wear as their color, color rush uniform. Oh, my gosh. I know. I don't know what it is, but, man, look at I mean, especially with the fluorescent gr- green cleats to go with it and the sleeves. I mean, I, it, those ones might be so ugly, they're good. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, I, I, you know, I'm usually not a fan of the New Age uniforms, but I, I just feel like the Seattle Seahawks found something to me. And like the Minnesota Vikings, they were one of the first teams to have that matte helmet that didn't shine yeah. like that, which I think is very cool. Not one of my favorite helmets, but I think when you tie it all together, it is one of my favorite uniforms in football. Uh, that is the action green the Seahawks have never lost in them, according to producer Pete. 5-0 and in the action green. And it does kind of – it like sears a, a image in your head that you can't forget, and maybe that's why you had to put them in your top five because you just couldn't get them out of your head, like blinded you. It's just like a different uniform altogether than the rest of football. I mean, they were really one of the first ones to go to this, you know, whatever, these new age looks, you know, some people say the Nikeification of of NFL football uniforms. They were really the first one to do it. And they got a lot of other cool combos to go along with it, I guess is what I like. You know, they can wear the gray pants, with the white jerseys, the gray pants with the blue jerseys, the blue sure. pants with the white jerseys. So I really like all of it, and uh, pretty cool. And again, a team that had no tradition. So I'm always in favor of those type of teams to go, try something new. Like, nobody's putting your old uniform in the holy grail, so let's yeah. try to do something else. I hammered you last time we did this with helmets for just picking the teams with the most tradition, but as my number two uniform, I have done exactly that. My number two (laughs) uniform in the NFL currently is from the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys get the nod for me at number two. I love the uh, the white jersey with the silver pants. And I think, you know what, yeah. Like, right, if you just were to show this to anyone off the street and they didn't know the tradition of the Dallas Cowboys – They'd probably say, okay, seems pretty rudimentary, almost like a practice jersey, like I said, with the Rams. But I don't know. It just it just works because it's America's team, and it seems simple, and they haven't messed it up. It's America's team. It's in this, you know, we associate it with winning because that's when they became an America's team. And, you know, too, anybody that's ever been to a football NFL football game in person when the Dallas Cowboys are in that stadium, you could say what you want. But if you're in that stadium and they start to walk on the field, it's got a special look. It, it pops on a football field. As soon as those helmets start showing out of the, the tunnel and you're like, oh, man, here come the Cowboys. I mean, there is. There's just something nostalgic about it, the history of it, whatever. And it's a, a clean, simple look, which we talk about a lot, I feel like, here with most of these new uniforms. And I'm, I'm not going far off the, uh, the Richter scale here with my next pick either. Going the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, they were one of my favorite helmets. And, you know, again, it's just an iconic look for me. Those yellow pants, the way they pop, that solid big black stripe they have going down the edge that they've had since the start of time. The the cool old school stripe around the shoulder that I like. And then, of course, you know, this is one of my favorite helmets uh, as well, because, hey, you know, the yellow the three stars on the side, one side not having any emblem at all, and, of course, the numbers in front. I think all of it together 
you know, and again, maybe I'm just a sucker for old winners or whatever it may be. But the fact that that uniform has not changed since Terry Bradshaw has worn it and is still about yeah. as popular as it gets is just a, it's a special one. And when they go to the beehive look with their throwback uniforms, then it gets real crazy. Not my favorite. <laughs> not my favorite. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's not. I don't know why they don't break out all whites. In the 70s, they used to wear oh. all white. And it looks good. It really does. And But yet, I don't know what it is. The new age dealers always wear those yellow pants for the most part with either the white jersey or the black jersey. And then... Their, their color rush, all black ones are not bad, too, right now. I mean, you know, Steelers and all black is pretty fitting. So we have, not had, any, we have not had any overlap so far. That's kind of amazing that we have not, but maybe we will at number one here. My hey, number hold one. Hold on one second. What? Nicole, call my dad. He's texting. Get him ready because I don't want him to be pissed off. Call him right now. Sorry Uh-oh, to that's... ruin the big delivery. <laughs> We don't know that was worth it because we don't want your we, we don't want your dad mad from the moment he gets on. Uh, okay, the number one uniform in the NFL right now, the San Francisco 49ers. Scarlet jersey, the metallic gold pants, classic look. I mean, this is teams that were great back in the 80s with Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and now he had yep. them in the Super Bowl once again. The 49ers, my number one jersey in the NFL. Did you just clap? Did I just see you clapping right there? Can I hear you clapping? <laughs> I did. I was like, great job, Ahmed. So. You nailed great it. Great job, nailed it with the You picked one. the winner and there. They, and when they go with the white cleats, too. I mean, I could give a standing ovation for that. Definitely on that. That is something I want to take some credit for. Because I really, the last few years, tried to beat that into Kyle Shanahan's head about the white cleats. And I know he likes white cleats anyways. So... I didn't have to, uh, you know, I didn't, I'll take some credit is what I'm saying there. I like yes. the 49ers uniform. They made my long list here of teams in the running. Just couldn't pick them, you know, just to, you know, as much as I love Kyle Shanahan, too many bad memories when I was growing up from that 49ers team. Sure. All right. That's true. So that really bothered me. Wait, and now I'm getting text messages. So hold on. I got oh, this, this is building because- up drama. This is building up drama for your number one. Well, I, and now they're telling me to, to – now I got to text my dad the phone number to call in. You know, I mean, we've only had days to prepare for this, but now we're going we're gonna to do it now. See, this is um, why – this is, is kind of yep. like one of those – people are missing live sports, Chris, but this is almost like some drama. We've built in some drama into this podcast right now. Will we get your dad on? Will he be mad when he finally gets, uh, gets on, online here? Oh, what number you know will he that. call oh, in cool. on? Not like I had anything to do today. I'll just sit here all day and wait for you two dummies to talk to me. That's what you're going to hear. I promise you that's what we're going to hear in a second. But Is there anything I can do to calm him down? Is there anything I can do to calm him down, or should I stay out of the way? No, there's nothing you're going to be able to do. When you calm him down, that's just going to delay the inevitable to where he's going to talk more after that. So don't even waste your time, all right? My number one is your number two, though. My number one is your number two, which is the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah, they won. I believe they won my my favorite helmet. And I love this look here. I really do. I love when the Dallas Cowboys, which they don't like to wear these uniforms, their their navy blue uh, jersey, because they view it as bad luck for years and years. And here's this is a game, I think, specifically where the Dallas Cowboys are at the Washington Redskins and the Redskins are wearing white at home to force Dallas to wear these jerseys. But I love mm. Dallas's uniform altogether, whereas the white jersey or the blue jersey, 
And, you know, I know you've heard this tidbit too. I just think it's cool they got two different pants that are really kind of the same color. Did you know that? Have we had this discussion? I've told you no, this before, huh? right? No. Well, Nicole, if you could show the picture from Ahmed's Cowboys picture and then show mine, they have two different types of silver pants. And mm. the silver pant they wear with their white jersey is a little different. If you could see, it's almost got a green tint to it. And then, yeah. and so you see that? And then, Nicole, if you could right. switch to the other picture now, see how this is more of a true gray silver now. Oh, and that yeah. green tint has gone away. So it's a little tidbit I'll throw out there for everybody out there. They look very similar, but there is a little bit of a shading difference. And depending on what jersey they wear, that depends on which pants they wear with it. But I'm a big fan of either look. The Dallas Cowboys get your top jersey out there. Now, you know what I'm curious about? What your dad is going to say for his number one jersey out there. Can we welcome him in? Oh, not he's yet. not Nicole's on yet. Not I know. Yet. I'm interested. <laughs> I don't know what my dad's favorite uniform will be. Now, I know he's a lot like me, and, you know, and you, where I think he likes the traditional looks a whole lot. So sure. those are two things we need to ask him when he when he pops on here. Is well, and he's talked. To, his... He's talked too about about the Giants jerseys, right? And you've said that. I mean, you yeah uh, with these with the Browns and some of these teams have gone gone more retro here. The Giants jerseys, I mean, they try to update them, but, man, that looked pretty sharp back in the day. I I'm, I'm, I love my dad's old Giant uniforms, and I would expect that's what we need to ask him. Does he like the new current look or his old look? I'm pretty sure he's going to go with his old look. Of course, he's a little biased there and had some success. But I don't think I know what his favorite uniform is in the NFL, so I'm going to be interested to hear that. So we'll have Big Phil on here uh, in just a second as the drama builds, and we're going to see how uh, how angry or how how happy he is to talk with us because we're going to talk about the biggest game changers then and now, Cam Newton as well. Plus, we have some really good Ask Me Anything questions, Chris, because we, we, they keep rolling in, and we can't always get to all of them. And so we'll talk about, like, the worst teams out there. Someone asked about what, he, what they think the five worst teams, because we always talk about the, the teams that uh, have benefited here. But we'll get to that in just a second. We welcome in Big Phil on the phone. Hello, Phil. How you doing? I'm in. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? Okay. Yeah, we're doing good. good. How you doing, man? Everything good? Sorry, we're a little yep. late. Sorry about that. I always build that into my life. The fact that you're going to be late, so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, no, we, we just got done. T- I we just got done. We just got done talking. Uh, we we did our top five current jerseys in the NFL. So it's been a really hard hitting. Uh, podcast. Oh so man, far. I'm, yeah, stop I wish saying I could jerseys, uniforms, full uniforms, full uniforms. Full uniform. That's what you're we right. want, full not just uniform. jerseys. You're right. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Right. A discussion that I just, um, you know, I I'm glad I missed it. So I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you're not you're not going to miss it because I want to know what your favorite uniform is. I, I am. I oh my gosh. I don't know. Oh. Let's see. My favorite uniform. Um, yes. Chris's was the Cowboys. Mine was the 49ers. I had the Vikings in there. Uh, who yeah, was Vi- the Vikings, you, you know, is one that I, even this year, I looked at and I go, wow, their purple is awesome, or whatever color you call it. I don't know what it is. Their stadium is awesome looking, too, with the colors. Um, I would say Green Bay really ranks up high for me, just with right. history, everything, mm-hmm. just such a great look. And they don't change it. You know, that's that's the other thing. It's kind of stayed the same for a long time, it seems like. Uh, kind of like Alabama, some of the great schools in college football that 
Penn State, Alabama, I don't think they have, have they ever altered their uniforms for anything? Has Penn State ever done that? I don't think they have. No, I know Penn State at one point had the numbers on their helmet for a, a brief time, I believe, like in the early 80s and that, maybe late right. 70s. But other than that, that's about the only change they've ever made. Right. Well, I know we got a lot of uniform changes this year and probably a good thing. You know, I, I like it. I, I looked at the saw it this morning, you know, the Rams, you know, the white uniform. I, I just love white uniforms, period. So with their coloring and all that, it's going to look great. Um, uh, on night games, it'll, it'll even look better. So that'll be cool. But I, it's it's kind of interesting to see so many changes. Some teams need the change just to get a we better know. feel. I don't know. It's just like, let's try to change things around here and change the uniform. That's a good way to start. So um, that's my take it's on it. It's genetic. Your love, your love of the Rams, it's genetic. It's a Sims trait. <laughs> you might be the only two that I've heard that like that uh, that white, that bone uniform for the Rams. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, you said so, the same thing, Christopher? That's the one you like? I, I love the new uniform, and I love, I'm a sucker for the all-white look, too. Uh, but I, yeah. I like the new uniform. But they are absolutely getting crapped on on social media about their new uniforms. I mean, well, that means it that, is not. Well, that's good. Good. Because, I you guess, know, social I media, guess. if they hate you, that means you're doing well. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Bill, a couple of things that we want to just talk about and pick your brain about. We love doing that once a week, but um, is about game changers uh, in the in the NFL. And I mean, their teams are always looking for this. We just we just had the draft, and you're the top ten. You're hoping that one of those guys can be a game changer, but there are very few that can single handedly change the complexion uh, of of a game. And so we just kind of wanted to pick your brain on who you thought some of those players were then and who they are now. And, and back in the day, and I was thinking about this um, a couple days ago because I, I think it was the NBC Twitter account that tweeted out, like, some of the top players in the NFL, like, if you had the number one pick, who would you take? And a lot of the people said, and I couldn't disagree with them, Lawrence Taylor. And when you talk yeah. about game changers, a guy that can disrupt the game, of course you want that Hall of Fame quarterback, but, man, if that Hall of Fame quarterback doesn't have time to throw, what else can he do? And so – you know, for me, when I first uh, heard that we were talking about this, I, I thought of Lawrence Taylor, and I know that you've you've talked about him and obviously knew him very well. Yeah, well, listen, of course, he did change the game. And, you know, we've talked about this, I think, before, that he blocking the way offenses had to block uh, pass rushers. He made them change uh, their whole scheme. In other words, make sure it tackles blocking him. Uh, and when he first came in the league, usually it would be a running back or the guard would have to pull out and try to block him. Now, a guard pulling out trying to pass block Lawrence Taylor, uh, you know, you have no chance. And this is a true story. We had a scrimmage. Uh, I was not the quarterback uh, with the Giants, the first scrimmage he was in. And I think, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how many plays he lasted in the scrimmage. Not many because they had to take him out because they couldn't get any passes off. So, uh, and, and, of course, LT – the fact that we did have some really good teams, he was MVP, defensive MVP, or league MVP of the league, I guess, one year. All those yeah. things and his personality and everything that's gone on, uh, easy to remember him. I thought Reggie White was another guy that could, you know, almost single-handedly win a game by his what he did on the football field, what he freed other players up to do. I'm trying to think of the really good running back, I mean, uh, defensive back, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, oh, oh, shoot. He had, he had like, green eyes. 
Yeah, number 21. Uh, um, oh, my gosh. Allen. Uh, no, what the hell is his name? You're close. I know. It's 21. I can see him. It's not yeah, Allen, the, last name. Allen. Yeah. Um, if you say it, I don't know it. But, but, but anyway, he had such a great feel of, because their defensive front was so good that he would be running across the field covering somebody, and he literally would stop and run and go cover somebody else because he saw the quarterback look there because he knew the quarterback was not going to be able to look somewhere else and have time to turn and go and throw to another person. And, oh, man, I can see him now. West Eric Allen. Eric Allen. Eric Allen, very good, very good. Yeah. And he was really great at it. I, and it was amazing how he. you'd say, oh, man, if we get some time, I'll, I'll, I'll throw to his – but. He would leave his guy, like, not at the end of the play, almost from the start. He'd run a few steps to go, oh, to hell with this. I'm going where the quarterback's looking. And uh, he, he was great at it. So Reggie White would be another guy besides the quarterback that could just dominate, change the game, change players, change the way you play offense, everything. It was, as I've said before, true story, down in Philadelphia, sitting in the locker room. I wasn't studying my playbook. I was just sitting there going, all right now. Hang in there. Come on, come on, you can do it. Because I knew the beating was coming. And that, that is not an exaggeration. It was just about having courage to stand in there and throw balls and know that Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Clyde, uh, uh, not Clyde, Clyde Simmons. Simmons. Clyde Simmons, yep. It's just, it was endless. My gosh, everybody that, that was there. And it, no matter what, how good you were, it didn't matter. You, you were going to get beat up when you played the Philadelphia Eagles back then with that defensive front. So, Dad, so those are players, and I know, like, I'm interested to see where you're going with this as far as today's players or, co you know, because I know also you think Bill Walsh was a game changer, uh, right? It, I mean, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. Go, go go, ahead. Go through the rest. I know you, you put Vince Lombardi well, in that category. Yeah, Vince Lombardi because he changed. You know, the Green Bay sweep was not just you – know, that was in a day where – you said to the offensive tackle, block this guy, the defensive end. Well, what if the defensive end lines up, you know, a whole spot different from where he was? Do you still block him? And they oh, don't worry, he won't do that. And, you know, so they were – it was kind of like that in the NFL. It was just – it was not complicated. Uh, people didn't move around. Almost every team ran the same plays. Look, Vince Lombardi, from my knowledge, they thought, oh, if I can't block the guy where he's at, they would make line calls and switch it up. Right. And – that's right. one reason why they could run the Green Bay sweep, no matter how you lined up, because they had line calls. So for Vince Lombardi to kind of do those things, that took many packs of cigarettes. If you see old films of him, there's the ashtray, watching the thing, smoking the room, watching the tape, and all the cigarette busts in that ashtray. You go, boy, he's been in there a long time. So that that was great. I mean, that's – and then Buddy Ryan, of course, his defense was – and still used today – but when he used it back when the NFL, before it became such a passing league, it, it was very complicated, uh, hard to understand, and so unusual. It was the only one of its kind, uh, you know, the 46 defense. That, that was, I thought that was a great innovation. Uh, Lawrence Taylor changed things. And, you know, we've kind of done this before, just the guys that have all affected it. And Bill Walsh, in a league, even at that time when he came into the league, still – most teams are going split backs or one back week, you know, under the center on third down, you know, the same plays on first down you throw on third down. And he just changed everything with his quick passing game. Instead of trying to overpower you, he just finessed you. 
throwing it to the running right. back, stuff like that. And it was right. Uh, th- th- I think that was, you know, uh, I used to watch film of them, you know, as they were playing and played against them a couple times his first couple years. And I just go, wow, it looks so easy what they do. And it truly had a beauty to it. But yeah. over time, and he admitted over time, the league started to change, getting more athletic, just different things. And he says he, he even admitted, he goes, I got to start changing with it more because he thought the league was catching up to, of course, people were copying and all those things. So that, that I, lots of guys that make great impacts on the NFL. It's changed it. And th- those are just a few. So what? Sorry. So who is it today? Who who are you looking at well, for right now? Coaches, player, whatever it is that comes to your mind in this conversation that's relevant to right now, that's changing the game or changing what it might look like in the future. Well, you know, for the last one, I won't even get into it, but, you know, Jerry Jones was a really a great innovator for the NFL. Uh, there was pushback when he started getting his own endorsements just for the Dallas Cowboys and all that. Right. But he does not get any pushback anymore. He's he money wise for the owners. He was probably one of the greatest, uh, maybe the best person ever to come in the NFL and, you know, financially just help the players, the, the owners, everybody, uh, for what he did. So, but I look at today's game, it's hard to just look at players, um, offenses, it coaches can, can do it. I think in today's game, you got to keep changing as a coach because it, the league just catches up to everything so fast. And, but, but two players that really stand out without question, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And probably the most, the one we won't see, well, I think we'll see quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes in years to come. I do. Because he is the standard. And I got a four-year-old grandson. Christopher's got a, a son. How I, I should know this. How old is Philip? Uh, how old do you think he is? Let's play this game. Does oh my gosh, know I'm his grandson's age? He's nine years old. <laughs> there we go. Good job. <laughs> okay, good, good. See, I was afraid to guess. But well, what does he do? He's out there. He can't just stand there and throw me the football. He's got to throw a sidearm, no. jump, right. throw it this way. And, and listen, I, I've said this, you know, of course, I throw with a lot of kids and watch them. And, cut what, and I, I swear, you, if you're going to work with a quarterback, uh, the kids want to do it, and they're good at it. I see many high school kids in this area that that's they practice it as much as they do dropping back or moving around or in the pocket and throwing the ball. So I think so, we'll see so, some more Patrick right. Mahomes. But Lamar Jackson, you got to have unique speed and able to throw the ball too. Now, right. there's just not a lot of humans made that way. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, right. And right. The, the, with the speed and the arm, that's tough. Patrick Mahomes, I think we'll see more. I'm not going to say they're going to be more talented, but we're going to see a lot of players that have emulated him going through the system when they were young kids all the way through, and we'll see those guys in the NFL before we know it. Yeah, I'm surprised I get that. that you guys, I mean, yeah. I'm surprised uh-huh. you didn't. Russell Wilson, I feel like, he was honestly the first player that came to mind for me because uh, not that he's – I think he has changed the game a little bit because he's opened up some opportunities for guys like Kyler Murray and maybe opened the eyes of some offensive coordinators out there that you don't need the guy with giant hands and six it's foot a good five. Point. 
Um, so, I, yeah, for, for me, I, I know, uh, of course, Lamar and Patrick Mahomes, but I thought Russell Wilson needed to be in that conversation, too. Uh, well, I think it's really good. I think when Russell Wilson came in the league, and really even till today, is just playing in a normal NFL offense. It's not, like, specifically built for him. And he just operated under systems that, you know, yeah, it showcases his, his skill. But, you know, um, I, I just I, I think when we see Lamar and Patrick Mahomes, it's a little more – I don't want to say creative, but it's something we haven't seen before. And Russell Wilson. The whole. Does, right. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that the whole t- offense and team is is predicated around Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Russell yeah. Wilson, they still want to play defense and run the football. They didn't bring him in there and go, oh, man, it's so amazing. Let's just change things right away. And Ahmed, I'm not disagreeing with you because he did yeah. change the game uh, in a I lot of ways. That. But Mahomes, I mean, uh, to what dad is saying, I, I think he's right. We're going to see kids. Uh, my little boy can't throw five yard, five balls without throwing a no look Patrick Mahomes pass. And right. I think we're going to continue to see these quarterbacks come up the ranks that realize throwing sidearm and off different platforms and different arm angles and all that. It's a necessity in the NFL. And Mahomes has just glorified it and made it cool to where it's going to be a game changer. Cause I think like dad's saying, you're going to see it more and more. And he's already seeing it with all these high school kids he throws with. Yeah, well, that and, you know, and then, of course, just the whole style of the way he plays. And, you know, when he was coming out of college, I got to – Ahmed, I have to give Christopher credit. He said, you know, Mahomes should be the first pick of the draft. He said it right after the NFL season was over. And I, I know I've said this before. I go, oh, my God, Christopher, I, I'm going to wait a couple of weeks before I start watching college players. My God, the season just ended. But he saw it right <laughs> – and I watched him and went – Wow, these throws, they were so unusual. I just go, I don't know. That was my first thought. I just don't know. Is this going to work in the NFL? Well, we found it out <laughs> quick. I, I was so excited to watch him play against the Denver Broncos the last game of his rookie year. And I remember watching it going, oh, my gosh, it's everything you saw in college. He made some right. phenomenal throws in that game. But I, I, the, the way he plays, that's what it's about. Where are you going to be able to in high school? And it's like we were – I did before all this came about. We were telling the quarterbacks, hey, just put one hand on it and wave it around and run and just stop and just, you know, do something to just drive your coach crazy. And and they do it. And it's so awesome just to play uninhibited that way. And I'm pretty sure – I don't know, but I'm sure in high school he played exactly like he's playing now but was probably even more just, oh, my gosh – of course, because the talent was so overwhelming, no matter what level he was at, especially in high school and in college. So uh, it, it, it is interesting. It will be duplicated. But Lamar, hey. That's a tough one. The league just better hope that speed of his slows down uh, a little faster than it usually does for most quarterbacks. That's all I can say. Would, right. would you right. who, who, got, who would you guys put in that category outside of the quarterback position, though? Because it's a, a lot more difficult, obviously, to change the game. Uh, from a position not to, at the quarterback, perhaps the most important position in any sport out there right now. Who who are some names? I, I mean, I was thinking Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa maybe Definitely. has the chance to do it. George Kittle yes. at the tight end position. I, I, are there any that you're thinking of, guys? Well, I, I think you know, the Aaron course. Donald one jumps out for sure. Sorry, yeah. Dad, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but, it's good. It's you know, good. You know, but, but I mean, I think dad's going to say the same thing. I mean, first off, he was one of those came into the league, what, 285 pounds, defensive tackle. I don't know. Can that work? 
And I think he's broken that mold. So now we're starting to see some of these type of guys, Ed Oliver, drafted in the top 10 a few years later, right? Same type of guy. So he broke the mold from, oh, if you're a defensive tackle, you got to be 315 pounds and the biggest human on earth to where it went, no, you can be 280 and be lightning quick and fast and have unbelievable strength for that size and still make it happen. And, you know, come on, that's this. He's going to go down as one of the greatest defensive players in the history of the game. So he's the first one that comes to my mind not, that's not a quarterback. Yeah, you know, too, when you draft a guy like that, you know what you're getting. You let him play to his style, too. It's not like you're going to draft him and try to change him. You know, just bringing up Ed Oliver from the University of Houston, first-round pick by the Buffalo Bills. I watched him early last year. He was like a bowling ball, except he was knocking over all of his own players because they were throwing him around because he wasn't used to seeing so many blocking patterns. And, of course, the men are different in the NFL. And it took him a while. But once he started getting the hang of it, like all of a sudden you see, oh, he's hanging in there. And then by the end of the year, he was starting to be an impact player. And, you know, that's, to me, not to change the subject, besides quarterback, interior defensive lineman, that might be the second hardest place to adjust to the NFL because the NFL runs many running schemes and blocking patterns where college, come on, they don't have the time. It's very basic, very few uh, different runs. So these defensive tackles, they come in the NFL, they think, oh, beat my guy. This is great. Then some tight ends coming across the formation and ear hose you, and you go, wow. So, so many things to learn for as a defensive lineman. Aaron Donald is great. Von Miller, you, you know, he was – I did so many of those Denver games, and Von Miller was basically – in at, when they were especially at home, he was unstoppable. He was really unstoppable. And uh, I, I saw the Patriots play him. They did everything, and he hit Tom Brady. Tom Brady took a beating, and the year they went to the Super Bowl, he took so many hits. It, the most I ever saw him take in his whole career during that game when they finally went on and beat the Carolina Panthers in the Super Bowl. Right. At, at one point, Cam Newton was a was a game changer uh, in the NFL. It would be nice to see him get back healthy again. Phil, I know you've been doing a lot of thinking about him, and, and we've talked about it, and Chris has talked about it with, with Mike Florian. If he's healthy and when he's healthy, he totally can be a game changer for any team out there. There are just questions with the foot surgery and the, the shoulder surgery here over the last couple of years, how effective he can be now. He's still out there right now, Phil, and there's talk of, you know, does he want to be a backup? Where would he fit in? What, what franchises are out there? You hear the Patriots brought up a lot, but they don't have a whole lot of, a lot of cap space. So if there is a team out there trying to look for Cam Newton as a potential game changer, if, if healthy, I mean, where are these teams that, that Cam Newton could fit in? Because clearly, if he's healthy, he's still one of, the, one, of the, one of the top quarterbacks out there. Well, do you remember? I can remember like it's yesterday. And, you know, and I just wondered about Cam Newton. Saw him, of course, at Auburn, and, and I knew about him. I saw him play a spring game for the University of Florida. And I just went, Christopher, you know this story. I just went, who is that? And, I mean, it jumped out right away. And Tim Tebow was the starting quarterback. And I had a neighbor whose son was playing defensive end at Florida. I called him during the spring game. And I said, who's that playing? Well, who, what about this Cam Newton? He goes, oh, you saw. And he, like, it was a secret. And I, it was incredible. They, he didn't play much in it, but his talent, his size, he threw a few footballs. I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, of course, we know the rest of the story. But his first game in the NFL, you kept waiting to see how this is going to translate. And it did right away. And I don't know. 
I, Christopher and I did talk earlier. I've thought about yeah. it. I went through every single team in the league, and I really can't come up with one that just like say right now. I kept thinking maybe the Chargers would take a gamble during the offseason. That was always kind of on my mind because he would fit to what they really want to do out there. Anthony Lynn, run the football. You've got a quarterback that can power run, still scramble, of course, and can throw it down the field and stand in the pocket. So he's a little bit of everything that the Chargers would really want and a big name to draw fans. But they didn't want to pull that trigger, probably for many reasons. I'm sure health is a big one, but I think it's other issues too. Do you, do you guys agree with that, that it's more than just the player? They know what comes with it. Uh, right. A huge personality, a great following. Fans are going to go crazy. The media is going to go crazy because, right. you know, like it or not, he is a star. And yes. he acts like a star. And I tell you, I think, I don't know. I get a great kick of seeing him walking into the press conferences, just, you know, or his arrivals at the stadium now, uh, how he's dressed and all that stuff. So it's it's really interesting. Sorry, right, so, Dad, just to further that, I mean, I'm with you. I don't know where the hell he ends up at this point, too. You know, I mean, anybody else makes sense? And, you know, I had a conversation earlier in the week, too, with Florio on PFT in the morning where I just went, you know, not only am I cannot find a, a necessarily a, a smart team fit for Cam Newton right now, but the other thing added on to what you're saying, what comes along with Cam Newton, you know, is – what quarterbacks can handle a guy like Cam Newton to be their backup quarterback? Who's the guy that's got, you know, the bravado and the self-confidence and can deal with somebody that's that talented and big and handsome and a star like you're saying, and of course is going to challenge whoever the starter is as far as talent level on the practice field every day. What, who, who comes to mind when you put it that way? Yeah, well, sorry, my phone was ringing. I can think when you say that, there's only three teams that I can think of. Kansas City could handle it. The Baltimore Ravens could handle it. And Aaron Rodgers could handle it. And right. you go from there, I, I don't. You name me another team that can handle it if he was there. I, I know. And, and, I've said, I know. I've said Pittsburgh. I don't think Big Ben will like it. Um, but... I, I'm not so sure that works either. I mean, he's a, even as I'm saying it out of my mouth, that could cause dysfunction in the locker room there. So I'm not so sure I believe that one either. And so basically you're taking three super freaks who are very self-confident in their abilities. Yeah, and they're, they they're going, hey, Cam, how you like that, man? You, you know, because he'd, he'd actually walk in and probably go, damn, I didn't know they were this good. Uh, right. So, right. You know, I, this, he, that's about it, though, Christopher. And, and Ahmed, I went through every one of them. And, you know, I thought about Philadelphia. You know, I said, okay, Philadelphia, though, I don't care what kind of system they run or whatever, he would fit in. They will give him his plays. He, and, you know, the big thing is he's going to scramble in passing situations sometimes as we give it to him. And if he gets health, truly healthy, he's going to be that, you know, uh, running back uh, at what he needs to a few times a game to get you crucial third downs or whatever. That's going right. to happen. So, I, yeah. look, the guy can throw the football. If he's healthy, it's always a big if, and I know. But um, that somebody, I again, I thought another one that came to mind, and I know we didn't know if he was healthy or not. I can't. But you look at the Chicago Bears. Why wouldn't he have been right. a good fit there? You know, I know. If, if he's 
Yeah, so if he did, something did happen to his health, at least you'd have Mitchell Trubisky backing him up. But they chose a different path, you know, to, to go with um, Nick Foles. Nick Foles, but yeah. Chicago would have fit, I think. I know that doesn't – I do too. Agree. You know, I do, and he would fit the town. Uh, he could turn their team around and just him being on the field, his presence and who he is, makes your offense, I think, tougher. I really do. Yeah. And yeah. he – momentum, he – all those Carolina games, when he makes a play, everybody goes crazy. The emotion in the stadium is there. You feel it, and they just it kind of keeps going. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he just has that effect on fans. I think he has it on players, too, when he's out there. Uh, maybe you don't like some of his antics, uh, maybe in the locker room or off the, uh, off the field. But when he's on it, there is something he brings to it that you just can't really – very few people can match. Question is, where will where will he end up? You, you figure he'll finally find a team. Do he have to wait for an injury to some quarterback out there? Um, Phil, can you stick around for a couple Ask Me Anything questions? Because well, you know, one more thing. I, before we, yes, oh, I yeah. can. I'm at the sure. Game changers. Here's one. Tom Brady. Why is he a game changer? Because he knows during the offseason, working on his feet and throwing the football, he stays on it all the time. I saw a little video of him on YouTube or whatever. About a week ago, and I went, damn, you know, his footwork was great. He's throwing, not throwing it far, but I could see his arm is fresh. He's firing it. And, you know, he's never, he stays and works at his profession. And you go, well, don't all the yeah. quarterbacks do that? And the answer is absolutely not. And some of these young guys, they get a lot of money away. I just wonder, are they really putting in the time working on their craft physically like they really should be? And I just, I think a lot of them don't. I think they just kind of hang out, do a little workout, go out and toss the ball around. Nice hell, that was great. And uh, he's been a game changer. You want to play for a long time? You got talent. You can do it. He's showing you how. That's a great ahead. one, Dad. You're right. Yeah, game changer for the for the Buccaneers for sure. One of the worst franchises over the past few years have not had the success. And that is a question here, Chris, from Ray's Boom Boom Room. That says, who do you think the bottom five teams will be five through one? He said, asking for a Panthers fan. So this is apparently Ray's boom boom room is a Panthers fan fearing that uh, a post Cam Newton Carolina team might not be very good. So last year, Chris, just to remind everyone, the worst teams were the Bengals, Washington, Lions, Giants and Dolphins. Chargers were uh, out of that bottom five. Panthers were there. Cardinals were in the mix. Jaguars. Um, Brown. So I don't know. Who do you think? I'm, it's it's tough to say year to year because it seems like every year teams improve a little bit, and obviously teams have gotten better throughout the draft. But who do you think has has not been able to escape the bottom five currently? Well, I think if I had to look at teams, and you know, again, everything is positive right now. You're right about that. All right, the first team that comes to my mind right now would be the Jacksonville Jaguars, and there's things yep. on their team I like. Don't get me wrong, but I'm going to throw them in that conversation right now. I am. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to throw the Detroit lions in that conversation for right now too. I Ooh. am, you know, there's just too many. I know I'm sorry. And you're from Detroit and I'm rooting for them. Cause you know, I know Matt Patricia and Dan Quinn, but again, I just, you know, what is the offense? You know, what is their forte? I don't know. Their defense fell apart last year. I know they got new players there this year. But I just don't know what they are as a football team. The only so they good thing for them is me. I don't. I don't. The only good thing for them is I don't know that the teams in their division have necessarily gotten better either. You I, know, Vikings, Bears, Packers, either. 
I would agree with that. I'm not going to just – it's not like anybody's running away with that division. The Packers have done nothing this offseason. I mean, we spent three weeks talking about that. So, I don't know. Those are the first two that jump out to me. Hey, you know, I, you know I love the New York Giants, and I think they're headed in the right direction, but they're probably another team that comes to my mind right off the bat. You know, they're trying to get their offensive line together. There's no one go-to wide receiver on the team. You know, they got Saquon and Daniel Jones, defense, a lot of questions there on that side of the ball. I don't know. Those are the three that probably jump out to me right away. Dad, you got any other ones that you, you think of here? Well, yeah, it's, boy, that's a tough question. And then it off is. the top of my head, I have nothing in front of me. But I think, you know, I, I, I got to see the Bengals uh, jump out yeah. of that bottom five before I believe it. Uh, just as right. I look at their roster last year, I went, wow, it seems like I've been studying the same roster for 10 years. And, yeah. you know, they needed – Hey, Joe Burrow's going to give him a great shot in the arm and all that stuff, some few new – whatever. Uh, we'll see. But I still think it'll be hard for him just because the division they play in, uh, the way the league has gone, maybe hurts uh, – this virus is, could hurt the young quarterbacks. Joe Burrow's going to be the only one of all of them that's going to start. So uh, that could, that could uh, keep them where they are. So i, I got to see it to believe it when I talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, and my, you know, so there's four. That's probably would be my fourth team I would throw there too. And then, okay, if we're gonna make it to round five, it's Miami or the Washington Redskins. I think it's one yeah. of those two teams. You know, I I have a little more faith in Miami. I guess I, I just you know again I'm probably biased here. I'm a believer in Brian Flores, and we saw kind of what they did towards the end of the year last year. I just think he's extremely smart, detailed, and. He's tough as hell. I mean, I'd take him in a fight just against any coach in football. Brian Flores is going to come out on top, and it's going to rub off on his football team, and I think you saw that last year. So I think because of that, I probably look at Washington as being that team, and a little bit because of what Dad said. Hey, they're a team that's in rebuilding, right? There's not a ton of offensive weapons there right now, and they have a rookie quarterback who is not getting the benefit of having a second offseason here to grow, and he's going to be learning a new system and new things like that to where – I would probably make the Redskins one of those five teams, too. Yep, very good. Um, Redskins, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see how they do. I worry about, uh, yes, weapons, young quarterback, and a secondary that was, you know, last year was awful. And, you know, right. it just – so that, that's – the fact that they got a new coach really hurts them because, you know, Ron Rivera could kind of set and a whole different feeling in the building with the players and all that during the off season. So he can still do it. He'll just have to do it. Of course, if we do get a chance to play, it'll be in a much shorter uh, time period. And injuries will play a huge part in who ends up being in the bottom five as it always does there. And you, you never know. Seasons can go sideways on teams. You could throw the Raiders into that mix, the Jets into that mix, the Bears, depending on what happens with their quarterback situation. Definitely. So, definitely. Um, well, the are, Jets, Tommy, you bring in a good one. The Jets, yeah. because, you know, there's still some holes on that football team. And, you know, you just can't look at it and go, wow, we got just these guys that can win games for us. Uh, so, and – they, I think they have the second toughest schedule. What does that mean? I think it means a lot. I think that schedule's real. When you play the yeah. NFC West and the AFC West, you're talking about going out there. There's no gimmies for anybody uh, when you do that. And so their schedules, you know, once again, it just seems like the Jets. I'm yeah, not laughing, brutal. but it's just every year you go, oh, my gosh, they got a stretch of six games that when you're not a good football team, you can just get disheartened almost right away if you go out there and get wiped out by two or three of them, 
uh, it's hard to recover sometimes mentally, physically, whatever you want to say, and belief in your coaches when you go out there and lose a, you know, a few games in a row to start off with, to start the season. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. Have we taken too much of your dad's time, Chris? Now nah, let's get one more. Come on, he's got nothing to do. You know, I mean, well, I had I do, to tell but that's him. Okay. His, his, <laughs> I had to tell him his grandson's age. You know, so all he's got to do is go study his grandkids' ages one. after this. He's okay, let me hold it now. Hold it. Hold it. First <laughs> off, you this morning you said you had what kind of coat did you have? Sherling. A Sherling? No, it's a Shearling. Shearling, you're right. That's yes. That's okay. Right. In other words, and then Mike. <laughs> Mike Florio goes to you. He claps his hands and goes, exactly. Did you get that? I did. I got it. He makes that reference from my cousin Vinny all the time. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Well, you didn't I, say it's anything. It's one of I his thought, go-tos. I, I couldn't pay attention to it because he goes to it so much. I was like, ah, oh, man, I've seen that one before. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that was the first time. <laughs> I, all the times I watched, this is the first time I've seen him do it. It was a pretty good imitation of it, though. That's, that's for sure. He's very good at it. He's very good. Chris All right, is ignoring I mean, what the joke at this point. All right, so so a question about the Bengals. We just talked about them perhaps being in our, our bottom five once again. They had the worst record this past year, had the number one pick. But maybe they do have some strengths on their team, and this one comes from Mitchell Racine. And he said, does a healthy Bengals receiving core of A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, T. Higgins, you got Tate there, is that the best and deepest in the NFL. And at first, when I saw this question, I thought I was like, how could the Bengals have the best or deepest of anything? But, you know, if you assume A.J. Green is healthy, Boyd showing flashes, Ross got the speed, T. Higgins, Chris, you're high on him. That is yep. a pretty deep wide receiving core there, Chris. It's, it's when you read it out loud, you go, damn. And yeah, a lot of it's predicated on health of two guys, John Ross and A.J. Green. But, mm -hmm. You know, if T. Higgins gets close to what, you know, I think he might be, a, might be able to be as an NFL football player, and I think Dad likes T. Higgins a lot too, yeah, you look at that, you got a little bit of everything as far as the wide receiver position. I mean, they really do. You know, let alone they got a good little slot receiver and Alex Erickson and things like that. So, you know, a lot of times 
people talk about your wide receiver room needs to be like an NBA basketball team. And it needs to be diversified to where you go, you got the small point guard who's the jitterbug slot guy. You know, you got the post-up guy who can get on the block and post up. Well, that's T. Higgins. He's going to be, oh, I'm covered? Just throw it to me. I'm big and strong, and I'll catch it anyways. You know, then you need that awesome shooting guard. Well, that's A.J. Green. He can do everything, and he's just dangerous. So there, it is a very talented group. Uh, it's just a few question marks there, and they, they got to prove it. they got to go out there and prove it now, too. But uh, I, it's something that, you know, when you read that out loud, it certainly jumped on my radar a little bit. You know, Joe Burrow's actually going to go out there and go, wow, this is a good group. Because uh, first, you think about it, he's going to go, wow, my receivers at LSU were better than this. But no, it is a good receiving group. So who was the guy that asked the question, Ahmed? Who was that? Mitchell Racine. Mitchell, I think you can really hang your head on that if you have high hopes for your football team this year that that receiving core, and of course the offensive line, has to be better. It doesn't matter what. It was awful last year. (laughs) And of course with Joe Mixon back there too, it's really interesting. So Zach Taylor has a chance to kind of change the team around and everything. You know, an offense that can move the ball and do things. Of course, we know it all connects in football. It helps your defense and so on. So that'll be interesting. And I have thought about that. T. Higgins, A.J. Green, and you know – Oh shoot, the Pittsburgh wide receiver, not not John Pitts- Ross. Yeah, Tyler Boyd. Oh, Tyler Boyd, gotcha. You got yeah, University right. of yeah. Pittsburgh, right, right. Yes, gotcha. I loved him when he came out, uh, and it took him. I think he got injured the first year, slow start the second year. But now, I think now you can see that he's a legit, you know, NFL receiver. You can count on him. He's a pro, and I think he's going into year four, if I if I had to guess. And, I believe uh, you're right. Yeah, so you're you're right, Christopher. That was a great Lombardiism. You know, he said you got to have a basketball team. Mike Lombardi said it to me once at uh, right. the receiving core, and of course I've used it many many times and never gave him credit. So I thought I'd give him some credit this time. <laughs> I think you got to throw in too. You know, Broncos pretty deep with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. They got Noah Fant, who if you line him up out out wide and count him as a wide receiver. Cowboys with Amari, you got Michael Gallup, now you got C.D. Lamb there. Yeah, and I think that's the Chiefs too. The Chiefs right. too, Chris, obviously with Tyreek and Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Nicole Hardman. I think that's a pretty deep wide receiver crew. Very, very you know, deep. You bring, up, you bring up a great point. All these great receiving cores. We just probably went through the greatest wide receiver draft in history. Just to, I don't even think that's overstatement. Um, and, and we've talked about this is that, you know, kids, hey, why be a running back? Let's be a wide receiver. You know, and I think it's happening. And you always talk about him, Christopher. He's always talking about, this is a running back who's just decided to hell with running. I'm playing receiver. And, uh, you know, Baylor had a kid that went to San Francisco. He was a running back at Tennessee. And he went out, went down to Baylor for a year and just played wide receiver to get ready for the NFL. So, uh, my point being that, you better catch on quick in the NFL wide receiver now, whatever, because they'll just draft somebody to take your place. And yeah. it's just, we're going to see an influx of wide receivers, I think, every single year. Colleges are throwing more, guys are more ready, more of them are playing that position. And the, the talent is it's just incredible what you see. Even when you watch games on TV, you can tell right away that's a big time NFL player when you watch them play. 
No doubt about it. No, and I think I think Dad, you know, the point he makes with the running back thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about that a lot. I think that is going to be a continuing trend because I think that kid is who's out there going up, you know, and has a a good big picture, you know, overall look of what football is. You know, we see it every year where we see five or six receivers drafted in the first two rounds. Whether you want to take AJ Brown or Debo Samuel or DJ Moore from the Carolina Panthers or uh, Lavisca Chenault, who was drafted by the Jaguars in the second round this year, twenty AJ years ago, Handler. AJ exactly twenty years ago, those are they're all playing running back and they're all playing running back at college football. But I think at some point, like Dad's saying, they realized why the hell do I want to get in fifty car crashes every game when I can play eleven years and make a lot of money and be a wide receiver in the NFL? And do that. And I think you will. I think for all the reasons Dad stated, you're, you're going to continue to see that, let alone, I also think these kids, the running back thing, and then like the 6'4 AJ Greens of the world used to try to go play basketball. They used to go, oh, I'm going to go be a shooting guard in the NBA. And I'm like, no, <laughs> shooting guards in the NBA are 6'7. And it's different. You know, 6'4 is a point guard in the NBA. And I think that kid has realized too, wait, the hell with that. I'll go play wide receiver and do that. And, you know, listen, I think A.J. Green or some of those, and they probably could have played in the NBA, but not to the level they could have played receiver in the NFL. And I think you're seeing that come into the NFL a whole lot too. Oh, no question. High school kids, uh, you know, before this came around, we had a high school kid, uh, Tommy Sweeney, went to Don Bosco right here in this area. He was a basketball player, and the football coach goes, you know, son, you need to play football. So he goes out for the football team, becomes a tight end, goes to Boston College, gets drafted by the Bills, has a good solid year, all that. Just a, We're going to hear that story. It's going to be endless how many times we hear that story. Hey, just my last thing, because I do have something to do, a little pet peeve. When you, From now on, when you do the draft and when you talk about it, don't talk about running backs. Oh, well, you know, he has a lot of wear and tear. In other words, a lot of carries. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. You're not looking to draft a running back for 10 years. So they right. got a lot of wear and tear. Well, I tell them they got great experience and they can know how to handle themselves and they take all those things. And, of course, that, the one we heard about this year was Jonathan Taylor. And right. uh, so, again, you're not, no, you're right. you're not like a franchise quarterback. That's right. I, I think we're all still looking at it, and I, I do. I fall in that trap, too, where we look at it and go, oh, it's the 1980s, and we're going to try to draft a running back for the next 10 years. You're right. It's got to be changed. It's 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 a four year investment, and then you're going to be going in year three or four. You're going all right. Who are we going to have to start? You know, replenishing our running back room. Who's going to be the backup? Who do we need to start thinking about the starter? Because you know, other than the super freaks, they all start to fall off about after year five for the most part. And it's it's rare that the running backs can stay to that level. So I think it's a it's a good point. I'll try to do my best there. You're right. I'm trying to stop it. I'm trying to stop it. You know what? You know what? Exactly. You got it. Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's it. Thanks, you Dad. You the man. I'm a hey, Thanks, good to talk to you. Keep him straight. You know what? Too. I'm really proud of you, son. You didn't curse. Holy carumba. Good for you. Okay. Set an example for the young people. Okay, Dad. All right, good. <laughs> Thanks, All right, man. see you guys. Have a great day. See you. All right. All right. See you, big fucker. See you later. Later, Phil. There it is. There it was. <laughs> that was our first one, I think. You got it in there. I think it was. Uh, he was. He, he, he really will I, be proud. He's, he's going to be proud. <laughs> uh, all right, two more here, Chris, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up because there's a couple I want to I see how you're going to answer these, all right? 
And by the way, I don't yeah. think your dad was that upset that we made him wait. I, maybe a little bit off the top, but I don't think that's that bad. I think he was good. He sent me a text with a bunch of question marks, okay? So that's yeah. when I knew, like, uh-oh, he's getting impatient because I told him 225 and it was 231. So that's why I panicked. You know, and I'm sitting here, of course, hey, it's the, the COVID-19 era. I'm being filmed by an iPad right now. So I could see the damn text messages popping up on the screen, and I saw dad, question mark, question mark. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And I'm like, oh, no, we're late, so we better get on that. Yeah, he wasn't too pissed. We got lucky there. All the stuff we have to deal with, right? It's like not only all the research that goes into it, but dealing with the uh, the temper of your father. Uh, okay, here here's <laughs> yeah. one from, from Jake Parker 12. He says, uh, and I'm curious about this too. He said, when evaluating a quarterback prospect, uh, if they will be successful in the NFL, what's the first thing you look for? What is the X factor? And you have a really good track record of, of seeing these quarterbacks play in college and Lamar Jackson you were high on. Patrick Mahomes, as your father just mentioned, you were, you were high on. Daniel Jones maybe wasn't in that case. You, you missed something on him. But, yeah. but what, is it? What, is, what is it that you look for and you feel like is the best indicator of if a quarterback can go from college to the pros? Well, you know, I, I think it, this, is, this is a point that's overanalyzed sometimes. I do. And I think people look too hard to find the it factor like you're talking about. You know, and I don't know. What is the it factor? You, you know, you tell me. I mean, it's, I understand what people are trying to say. It. He's a natural leader. He's, you know, great in the big moments. Uh, you know, he's, you know, never, never blinks under, the, you know, the big lights of a big game or whatever it may be. You know, I understand what people are saying, but, you know, when you talk about guys who have the it factor, it's like, who is it? Oh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes has it, right? And I want to go, yeah, he's got it. But you know what he's got first is he's got a whole lot of talent. That's the first thing, right? So to me, that's the first thing I'm always looking for. You know, one, just, and just at a base level, when I first start looking through the quarterbacks and just going through, and I usually go first through where, like, all right, let me watch 50 to 80 throws just to get a feel for some of these guys. And then I go back and I start to really deep dive and study them. But when I look at those first 50 to 80 throws, just so I can get a baseline, the things I'm looking for usually there are physical attributes. I'm looking for elite physical traits, just like I am with the most other positions too. You know, and that's what took my eye to a guy like Lamar Jackson. So yeah, with Lamar Jackson, you know, the first thing I, whoa, holy cow, he can run. Wow, whoa, special, holy cow. And then I went, all right, well, let's see what the throwing looks like. Damn, his arm's strong, man. He can make some crazy throws. All right, and then when I went back to go the deep dive, I went, okay, you know, he's a little inaccurate with some of the throws. I get that. You know, decision-making could be a little bit better here and there. But the big thing was what got me to light is the talent level. And Yes, I'm big into the first thing I'm going to look at is the arm. You know, the arm is big. And not to say it's the end-all, be-all. You know, Joe Burrow didn't have an arm this year that I looked at and just went, whoa, oh, my gosh, this is, this is a slam dunk, you know, best arm in football. No. But I, when I looked at those first 50 to 80 throws, I went, man, wow, he's accurate. Well, he can make all the throws. Like I said, I wasn't like, oh, wow, it's so powerful and amazing. He can make all the throws. And then, you know, as I sat there and then I go back into the deep dive, you know, and I go to the deep dive and I start to go, I went in with initial thought of, okay, Joe Burrow's pretty good. I kind of liked what I saw. And then you start to watch more and you start to go, holy cow, is he unbelievable in the pocket? So 
you know, and unbelievable in making plays when there's nothing there to be had. So it always does start with the physical ability to me, you know, and again, and I understand that it's not like everything, but when you take really the top 10 quarterbacks of all time or the great quarterbacks of all time, they have some truly unique physical traits that made them that. And then once you get to that, you start to see, do the other things match up to that level? Okay, is this guy a good decision maker? Does he know how to take care of the football? You know, does he have a good sense of movement in the pocket while he's trying to look down the field? You know, all of those things then are the things you look for to go, okay, I saw the guy's got high on ta- high end talent. Now, does he know how to play the position and the little nuances and details of the position that can possibly make him great? And, you know, there you go. So, when I see those type of things, like uh, let's just say from this year, uh, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, they jumped out to me, that guy, like that. You know, let's take a guy like James Morgan for the New York Jets who drafted him in the fourth round. When I went through my first 50 to 80 throws that I tell you about to look at, I went away and I put a star next to him because I said, man, there was some really good throws in there. Whoa, this guy's more talented than I thought. But then, okay, so I'm excited to go back and watch him when it's the deep dive time. But then I go back in deep dive time and go, ooh, man, this is, it's pretty, it's a little reckless. It's loose. You know, he just is going to fire the ball into a crowd every now and then and not care. And that's what makes him end up being a third or fourth round talent. But, but there's a chance to be something in the NFL. So I guess long story short, and I know I'm mumbling here a lot, and please ask me a question after The first thing I am looking for is physical ability. And can you do the things physically to make an A.J. Green or a Julio Jones or any of them look good? And then if you don't have those guys, can you do enough to make some average Joes look good on your offense? And that to me, you know, you got to have some talent to make that happen. And I think it's funny looking at the big picture here with with any sport. And we probably put too much emphasis on the player evaluation and not enough on the player development because I think both are equally important a lot of times if a player you know is drafted late and like a Tom Brady right you're like wow they've got the diamond in the rough there that was really good player evaluation maybe it was just really good player development along the way and it it can go the opposite way you could take a guy one one overall who has all the tools but is screwed up in player development and now you say oh you drafted a bust well he wouldn't have been a bust if you would have had a little bit better coaching. So I think that we often dismiss the player development part of it and, and overemphasize the player evaluation part. Just I, I think that's very fair. And I think with Tom Brady, to, to a great point by you, it was both. You know, I think they evaluated talent that a lot of people didn't see. And then they also had the ability to, hey, let's mold this guy. Let's bring them along. You know, they didn't ask him to throw 40 footballs his first two years as a starter. They, you know, ran the ball, played defense, and then, hey, in the fourth quarter, Tom, we might need you to make some big throws and be really clutch, and he was great at doing that. But, yes, listen, the support system and all those things, it's a great discussion. It really is. You know, that's why in a lot of ways I think we're seeing more and more top 10 quarterbacks work out in the NFL and things like that because the teams have realized – Man, we're, our asses are going to get fired if this doesn't work as him being the franchise quarterback. So they go all in on, let's make our guy look good. Let's put the proper support around him. You know, and there's a few that, that didn't happen. AK, maybe a Mitchell Trubisky. He'd be one that jumps out to me there. You know, coaching changes, not a lot of talent on him early on in the career, whatever it may be. 
Now, I'm not trying to say he definitely would have been awesome if you put him somewhere else. There's some issues there, but I think that's real. You know, I would say Drew Brees. Again, I, I could, you know, there's a reason the Chargers got rid of Drew Brees because they didn't think he played well enough. But then he went to another system that said, wait, you know, we shouldn't be trying to make him throw 40-yard lasers down the field and 70-yard bombs. That's not what he's good at. He's a good, quick decision maker who's a good athlete and can get the ball out of his hands really quick and, like, hit the bullseye like 99 out of 100 times. And Sean Payton, what did he do? He saw that and he goes, man, I, gotta, I can support him in this and devise an offense around him. So it's very important. It's important for just about all of them, Ahmed, except for like the really special gifted, gifted guys like a Mahomes, a Rodgers, a Brett Favre, a John Elway. You could have thrown them in any shit offense and we still would have gone, man, I see some greatness with this guy. Yeah. Like, you know, it yeah. wouldn't be perfect and surgical, but you would go, I don't know. This guy's got something. I, to me, it looks like he's awesome and the rest of the team sucks. You know, yeah. so but those are rare breed type of guys who have such great physical ability. It just doesn't matter all the time of what they are in. But for the 99 other percent of the quarterbacks in football, they need that development and support like you're talking about. It's tempting to think that the cream always will rise to the top. But you're right. If if Drew Brees does not meet Sean Payton and is not coached by Sean Payton, he never probably becomes Drew Brees like we no, like we know him right now. That's what sucks about football, Ahmed. That's what sucks. You know, I mean, listen, you put Joe Mixon on the Dallas Cowboys, I I probably feel good that he's going to be towards the top of football, leading the NFL in rushing. But he's not on the Dallas Cowboys, and he's behind that shit offensive line we talked about with my dad there in Cincinnati. So then we just think, oh, he's a good running back, but how great is he? You know, and it's no, he's. He's actually really physically great. He just, I don't care who you are in football. You need a little help at times to accentuate, you know, what you're doing. It's one of the things I try to tell my little boy all the time because he's like, you know, at times if I say something to him, like he's throwing a football, you know, he'll, oh, dad, stop. You're, you're putting too much pressure on me. And I go, Philip, I don't give a damn if, what you do. I'm just trying to give you a little help here. I'm not trying to put, I don't care if you ever play football in your life. And I said this to him last week. I actually said, don't play football. I'd rather you be a baseball player or a tennis player to where you could just work at it and be good and you don't have to depend on it. Why, Dad? Why? And I said exactly what I just said to you because you could be the best player in football. And if you're on a shit team, nobody will ever know it. Yeah, yeah. Go play baseball, everyone. That's the advice. I just go. <laughs> Basketball, too. All right, last one. Last one. And we could talk about baseball with this one. Uh, this comes from John James Wilkin. He asks, who is your favorite non-football athlete? Your favorite non-football athlete. And, Chris, he wrote favorite, F-A-V-O-U-R-I-T-E. So he's Canadian, maybe, or British or something. So we got yes, fans. Or everywhere. French. Right. Uh, or French. Favorite. Yeah. Uh, favorite. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I think I'm going to guess yours. I'm going to guess who your favorite non-football athlete. A lot of people right now are probably going to say Jordan because the Jordan documentary is taking over the nation. But I am not going to say that's your guy. I think it was Derek Jeter for you, New York Yankee. It's without a doubt at the very – pretty close to the top of the list. Like, all right, so oh. just to be – to non like non football legends in non my mind, yeah, non football. Jeter is certainly one of them at the very top. LeBron James is certainly one of them at the very top. Yeah, he is. I'm, I love LeBron, 
Now, I'm not going to say, you know, when I was growing up, I loved Michael Jordan and Air Jordan and all that. I mean, how could you not? I mean, it just, I was primetime age for a guy like Michael Jordan to where I was just sucked in. And mom, you got to get me the new Jordans. Dad, I need the new Jordans. I mean, yes. Um, but I like LeBron more than Michael Jordan. Now, I'm not, Michael Jordan's the best basketball player I've ever seen. So I, I, he's better than LeBron James as a basketball player, but I think I like LeBron, the person, and I don't know, the way he acts and plays a little bit more. That's just me. So those yeah. two, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Muhammad Ali fan. Like, oh. I, I enjoy watching his old fights. Uh, I would recommend anybody go wa watch the documentary. Maybe this should be the next movie, uh, When We Were Kings. Uh, it's a great documentary on his fight against George Foreman over in, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Africa there with Ali, boom, bye, Ali. Yeah. So I don't know. Those, those, those are probably the three that jump off, uh, to me. What about you? Who's your, who's your, those favorite are good ones too. Athlete? I like LeBron. LeBron's a good one. It's hard not to like LeBron, although it seems like a lot of people don't like him. Uh, yes, I mean, it does. being the Michigan guy, I loved Miguel Cabrera. It just, he, you know, the athletes that make it look easy. Right, he would go up there, and he would. It would look, almost look like he was playing wiffle ball. It was like, why right. does it look so easy for him? And you see it in the NFL too, where you have some quarterbacks that it looks so difficult. <laughs> you know, it's like that's. A, I think that's a good way to be a talent evaluator too. Is like, does he make it look easy or very difficult? It it shocks me when these players can go in there into this sport with the best athletes in the world, and they're like, wow, it looks like it is so easy for him. And I always thought Miguel Cabrera was that way. But you're right, Le LeBron in that same mold. It's like, it's just a different game that these guys are playing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even Magic Johnson, I think growing up would probably have been in yeah. that, you know. And the fact that I've been around Magic Johnson a few times in my life, and I just don't know if there's a nicer man and a more charismatic man than him in, in my whole life. Like, quick story. I'm at the quarterback yeah. challenge, all right, one year. And I'm, we're out in Hawaii. Dad brought us out there for the quarterback challenge. Magic Johnson was there in the hotel because he was really good friends with Warren Moon, and I guess he was out in the area. So, he went, so I got to meet Magic Johnson, and I'm just like, I mean, he, hey, sit down. And I, I sat down. It was just me, Warren Moon, and Magic Johnson for lunch one day because he was that nice and, like, talked to me for 25 minutes. Later on that year, there's a Giants game. People start to go, hey, Magic Johnson's in the booth back there. I used to sit in the mezzanine level. So – I'm walking up the stairs finally at some point just to go get a Coke or a pee, whatever it may be. And I see Magic Johnson and I'm like, I'm not going to say anything or be a jerk or anything like that. But as I'm walking by the box, he kind of looks at me and we make eye contact and I wave. Freaking guy remembers me like, hey, Chris, uh, I mean, to where you're just like, damn, this is Magic Johnson, one of the most famous people on earth. So he's always going to be one of those guys, too. And. You know, again, I think with Ali, LeBron, and guys like Magic Johnson, it's what they do off the field and off the court True. that I also respect a whole lot, too. Yep, yep. All right, Chris, we did it. We had, a, we had another long one here, but that was good. Well, when we, do we not? Like, let's get over I it. Know. Like, we're going an hour and 20 every time, even if we pick two fucking subjects. That's all we do. That's all. I don't know what else to say. And our listeners are going, well, if you just want to talk about jerseys for the first 25 minutes, you could have got it into an hour. <laughs> Whatever. That'll probably uh, get some of our best reactions. But Tuesday, totally. back with Chris Sims unbutton, Paul Burmeister will be on. I'm hoping you're back in the action next Thursday. Are you? Or are you too, Bobby, I'm big back. time to get other things going I on? Think okay, I'm back. good. Yeah. I'm, just want to make sure. Time. 
You need to watch When We Were Kings, the documentary. I think I need to make okay. that a homework assignment. Okay, it's a really good one. It's More not a homework. movie. You disrespected my Godfather and Don Corleone, <laughs> and I called a few of my Italian brethren, so they might come by your house. You never know. I don't know. I'm a little worried about that. That that's not all right. I know people. <laughs> I know people. All right, man. You the man. Everybody, be safe out that's there. It. Keep fighting the good fight. Enjoy the weekend. Ahmed, peace out, bro. Be good. Wrap it up.